0: this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays um, with a combination of Trey and Mary Langston. Uh, Mary Langston, I would ask you how your week has been, but in the aftermath of what happened in Texas, I, I already know the answer to that question. It's horrific.
1: Yes, sir. I would ask you the same thing. I'm just heartbroken and at a loss for words, Trey.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm at a loss for words, but it is a combination of anger. And, you know, I went back last night and looked at the number of mass shootings as I defined them. Mm. Um, and it is staggering for uh, for this country. It is just staggering. And that's true whether it's adults at a nightclub. It's true if it's an adults at an outdoor concert in Las Vegas period but mm. to kill children is just doesn't matter how long you do it you never uh you never ever get uh, immune uh, to someone committing an act of violence or hurting a child
1: Never. Mm. Mm-hmm. you're absolutely so, right it's heartbreaking
0: i wish there was some uh jocularity and joviality and it, we could banter back and forth but it is, um, you know, just just to see the number, 20 children, 19 mm. children. And then when you attach a name and a face and a life and the hopes and the dreams, and that doesn't even begin to get into the parents and the grandparents and the siblings. And it is, I'm just so like the rest of the country of people of good conscience just so sick and tired of talking about people being shot for simply going to school or going to church or going to a restaurant. It's just, um, it's it's just you're speechless uh, because of anger and frustration and a desire to want to do something, but that something has to be causally linked to the problem you're trying to solve. So I'm sorry for all that town um, stuff, but I can't I can't help it this week. But mm-hmm. I will do my best nonetheless to answer questions or maybe some about that. There may not be.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll move into our questions, but I agree with you. It just can't keep happening. Something has to change. And it's, it is so sad and heartbreaking, but we'll move into our questions today. We have several and um, a lot of thoughtful questions. So we'll start with our first one is from Carl in Arkansas. And he actually writes, he's talking about the shooting that happened last week at the grocery store. And he says, I listened to last week's podcast about the mass shooting and can't agree more about enforcing gun laws that we have. My question is, what are your thoughts on looking very close at the parents, family, and friends? who know these shooters
0: yeah that was that was the mass shooting in buffalo i mean it's a pretty sad Mm -hmm. state of affairs where you have to specify which mass shooting you're talking about and they're occurring in back-to-back weeks actually there was a you know there was another incident at a church in california i think in the interim so uh I'm willing to look at anything that keeps children from being killed while they're simply doing what we make them to do, which is make them do, which is get an education. And, you know, mass shootings are horrific regardless of where they occur. But the systematic killing of children shows a level of depravity that is subhuman. Uh, The answer to his question, parents have been charged. Uh, There was a shooting. Uh, Maybe it was in Pennsylvania. It was a school shooting uh, several months ago. The parents uh, were charged. They had either actual or constructive knowledge that their son was going to do something. And uh, the most charitable view of what they did was nothing. The more accurate view of what they did is they essentially aided and abetted it. I am more than fine with imposing a duty on others to alert law enforcement when they perceive or have knowledge of a threat. I mean, they're already mandatory reporters and other realms of life. Teachers and others have a mandatory reporting requirement when it comes to abuse. So, yeah, I'm fine with having mandatory reporting requirements so people don't just, you know, stick their head in the sand and say, oh, well, they're having a bad day. Of course, when you alert someone, the someone has to do something about it and they're examples of people doing the right thing and calling and saying, I'm worried about this fact pattern. I'm worried about this person and law enforcement doesn't do anything about it. So Mm -hmm. there's nothing I am not willing to explore to keep children from being slaughtered. There's nothing. And, and, you know, not to go back to the good old days, but I I was a gun prosecutor. Um, That was, you know, before I was a homicide prosecutor, but those are two different things. The goal of a gun prosecutor is to keep the guns out of the hands of people that are not lawfully entitled to have them. We're not going to use them responsibly before they do something. It, it, the, you know, after the murder is too late for the murder victim. So the goal is to get the guns out of the hands of people who will not use them responsibly ahead of time to stop the shootings before they occur. And I am open to just about any idea that would accomplish that and that would work. And what I'm not interested in is using horrifying, horrific tragedies to accomplish any other agenda on the left or the right that is not causally and logically related to the desired outcome. And my Mm -hmm. desired outcome is no more dead children.
1: Well, thank you, Trey, and thank you, Carl, for that question. As hard as it is, our next question is from Jim in South Carolina. He writes, I'm curious your thoughts on freedom versus safety. It feels like the country is moving more and more towards the desire to be safe instead of free. What do you think is driving that?
0: Well, in fairness to Jim, I think my guess is he asked this question before what happened in Texas.
1: He did. Uh, Yes, sir. That was a good point to share.
0: No, I mean, I'm sure he feels exactly the same way every one of us feels, every one of good conscience. So I'm going to answer it. The same way I would have answered it had there not been yet another elementary school mass murder in this country. Mm. To be honest with you, Jim, I'm I'm in, I'm in the safety group. Um, I don't think any of our freedoms matter. Um, in fact, I know they don't matter when we're dead. So keeping people alive, keeping people from being assaulted, keeping people from being hurt is where my bias lies. And I love the fact that we live in a free country. But with every one of our freedoms comes a corresponding responsibility. Yep, we have the right to free speech, but we have a responsibility not to lie. We have the freedom to petition the government, but we have a responsibility not to show up at judges and justices' houses and try to intimidate them or their families. Mm -hmm. So, look, I I am so happy that we live in this country. I I we won the lottery. If we were born in or got to this country, it it Mm -hmm. is a country known for freedom. But your freedom is wholly irrelevant if you are dead. So, yeah, I place a really high priority on safety. I think it is the number one function of government is public safety. Number one. Number one government program that I get behind is People not killing other people, not hurting other people, not robbing other people. Now, sometimes what is claimed to be a desire to keep us safe is a ruse for more control. And I know that I don't want the police or the government going through my mail or my email or my cell phones for no reason. I don't want that. But I also don't have anything in my mail or email or cell phones that is going to portend a crime. So I love that we're free. I, I, I period. There's no if there's no, but there's no, however, I love the fact that we are a free people, but I also know what fear does to people. And I know that dead people don't have any freedoms. They don't have any rights. So I am all for logical reasoned, fair and transparent ways to keep us safe.
1: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Jim, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. Our next question is from Mark in Australia, and it's a little bit lighthearted, Trey. He writes, I'm sure you're in the mix of your club and regional championships every year. Was there ever a fleeting moment when you considered turning pro? Uh,
0: Mark, uh, thank you for that question. But uh, quite candidly, I am nowhere, nowhere near good enough to play at that level.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And when I say nowhere near, uh, that is not false humility. That is uh, a reasonable assessment of my golfing abilities. I, I played with current PGA tour players and they play a completely different game. You know, I, I, Kevin Kisner was on our podcast not long ago. I was privileged to play with him several years ago. I, I don't even know if I was in Congress. Yeah, I guess I was in Congress, but barely. And the guy is about your size, Mary Langston. By the way, so he's not going to play football. Uh, he probably was a good baseball player, but but you know he he he's a he's I don't want to say an average looking guy, but he's an average looking person. You're not going to look at him and think, gosh, that's one of the best golfers on the planet. But he <laughs> is. He ju- he plays a different game. I play a ton of rounds right now with a friend of mine. You've heard his name, Barry Langston. He played on tour. He made the cut in a U.S. Open. I think he made the cut in a PGA championship. He's qualified for two U.S. Senior Opens after he turned 50. He plays a completely different game from the game I play. And he's not on tour right now. He just, you know, I I mean, I I play with him probably every week. It's, he's just got shots, that the even good like club golfers don't have. I mean, I mean, just to be brutally honest, my son, who's never played on any tour, um, plays a different game from the one I play. And he he he's not he's not a professional level golfer. He didn't even play college golf. He just plays a different game. So, you know, what's my goal? My goal number one is to make it through the round without you know, needing oxygen or, you know, the attention of a physician. My selfish goal is to do well in our club championships, especially the senior club championship. I mean, I never thought I'd say that because I never thought I'd be old enough to play in the senior club championship. (laughs) I want to do well in that. I want to do well in the father-son. Watson and I have won that twice. My -hmm. dad and I never won it, although we've had some close calls, but – you know, my dad needs my son as a partner, not me as a partner, then he might have a chance. But I want to do well in the member member. But other than that, I just want to beat my friends and not three putt. And but I am nowhere near. I've actually played with women golfers that are on the LPGA tour. And I have played with women golfers that are, you know, very, very good college level golfers. And from a distance standpoint, there's not that much disparity. Although, you know, I I played with one young woman who was in high school at the time, but she's now on the LPGA tour. She pounded the ball by me, but most of the LPGA or women college golfers i play with, it's not the distance, but they still play a different game from the one I play. So thanks Mark for the question, even in my most delusional moment, um, You know, could I tie Scotty Scheffler on a hole? Yeah, I think I tied Kisner on some holes, but he's got another gear. And if he wants to put that Maserati in another gear, he can do it. And I don't. I'm sitting there with, you know, my Volkswagen broken down on the (laughs) side of the road out of gas with two flat tires.
1: Well, thank you, Trey, and thank you, Mark. That was really sweet. Our last question what is from Ronald. Was
0: sweet, reminding me that that I'm like a mediocre club golfer. Is that the part that struck you as being especially sweet?
1: I do think you probably are better than you lead on to saying, um, but
0: I need a psychiatrist right now. That's <laughs> what I need. I, I golf is so mental. It's so mental. I just read a book on putting by Bob Rotella, who's a sports psychologist. And I'd call him if I thought he'd take my call. It, <laughs> it, I think he blocked me. Actually, Tim Dunleavy that I play all my rounds with was at UVA when, when Rotella was involved with UVA, but you know, putting golf really comes down to putting and that is such a mental thing. And you can put great one day and then the next day you're not, and you have no idea what the difference is. And So I'm glad that you think it's sweet that someone asked me to relive that, but I do not. I think it is um, terrible that somebody made me relive my last putting rounds.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll move on to our last question on that note, and it's from Ronald. He writes, why have the liberal justices on the Supreme Court not spoken about the protesters at their colleagues' homes?
0: Well, Ronald, justices do not speak much publicly, if at all. The chief justice speaks for the court, and he has addressed that issue. I'm sure those justices are smart enough to know that it is terrible to show up at judges' or justices' homes to try to intimidate them no matter what the cause or which side of the ideological or judicial spectrum someone is on. Um, I would be shocked if all nine did not have exactly the same opinion, which is, this is terrible, and you know next week it could be me, but the chief justice usually speaks for the court as a whole on matters like this, and people are welcome to agree or disagree with that, but I would not read into silence. I would not read consent into silence. I would read protocol that Chief Justice Roberts does the talking for the court on court-related matters.
1: Well, thank you, Trey, for answering those questions today.
0: Well, thank you, Mary Langston. And I am, uh, again, sorry about the circumstances. It's like a cloud hanging over everything when you think about terrible acts of depravity that some people are capable of of committing against really anyone, adults, children, but especially children. I would say next week will be better. But honestly, I think we owe it to the people slain um, to take more than a week to think about how we can uh, make elementary school simply a place that you don't go to die.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree 100%.
0: All right. In spite of all that, I hope everyone has a great week and uh, we'll see you soon, Mary Langston.
1: Sounds great. We'll see you next Thursday.
0: All righty. Bye-bye. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcast or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network.